You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. Come on now. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson. And as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Also brought to you by Yukonuba Sporting Dog. If you want to get everything your dog's got, then you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Check out YukonubaSportingDog.com. Also brought to you by Gunner Kennels. At Gunner Kennels, they are proud to say that they've helped keep thousands of pets safe on the road because every detail of their crate is designed and tested in real world conditions for the invested bird dog owner. That's a Gunner Kennel. Also brought to you by Trinity Bretons, home of the Epignol Breton. I've been told that I actually say that correctly, so I'm very proud of of saying the Epignol Breton correctly. But check out Trinity Bretons for your next puppy. They offer everything from puppies, started dogs, stud services, and also the Trinity Upland Academy with George Hickox. Hey, also check out Pointer Traditions. I know we're coming up in the holiday season. Uh, Pointer Traditions, if you use promo code ROOKIE15, that's ROOKIE15 at checkout, you'll save 15% off your order. Uh, Hey, don't forget your dogs. They need some loving too. Uh, New collar, leash. Get yourself a bird strap. Get your, I don't know, your hunting buddy a bird strap. Uh, They make some quality, quality gear. Uh, So check out PointerTraditions.com. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast, episode 31. Guys, thanks so much for sticking with me, tuning in today. Uh, I have a really, really fun episode today uh, with a really special guest that I just had a blast chatting with. Um, And so I hope you're really going to enjoy this one. Um, I want to take just a real quick second and just kind of off the cuff, thank my sponsors. Um, They've meant the world to me in this podcast. Uh, Trinity Bertans and Josh over there. Uh, David over at Pointer Traditions, Yukonuba Sporting Dog, Gunner Kennels. Um, thank you guys. Thank you for uh, your investment into the podcast and to me. Um, really, really have loved working with each of these companies. And uh, I, I know I do a little bit, you know, in, in, at the beginning of every episode. And um, you all probably get annoyed with that. I know. Uh, you know, I don't love having to do ad reads and all that. But when they're companies that I really um, trust and believe in, um, I. Uh, yeah, I just want to give them a little extra credit to say thank you to uh, to each of them. So anyways, thanks again, guys, uh, for sponsoring this podcast. I appreciate it. Um, guys, before we get in, a couple uh, couple things I want to go over. Um, kind of thought it would be fun. Um, I want to do a, uh, an FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions, uh, on the podcast here. I have quite a few questions that I get asked um, personally that are just very... Um, kind of the same questions over and over again, some of the, the big ones. Um, so there's a couple I have. I'm not going to go over them all today. Um, I just want to tackle one, but in a future episode, would love to um, answer your frequently asked questions, your FAQs. So if you would uh, shoot me a message on Instagram um, at the Upland Rookie Podcast, um, shoot me your question. These things range from, uh, I don't know, what kennel size for your dog? What should I do with a new puppy? What kind of training should I do with a new puppy? What, what should I do with my older dog? Should, 
I get a, what are Britney's like? Like all different things. Again, I'm no expert. I'm no expert trainer or anything. Um, but what I can do and what I think you guys have enjoyed on this podcast is just me sharing my own personal thoughts, my own journey with things. And so if you have a, a question that you'd like to ask, just shoot me a message uh, at the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'll do my best to compile and kind of make some concise uh, questions and, uh, and go through a few of those, uh, hopefully on the next episode. So today, um, I actually wanted to just tackle one. This is the question I get probably the most, um, is, you know, what, what do you do with your dogs when you first bring them home? You know, you have a new puppy. What do you do? What should I be doing with them? I get a lot of, a lot of guys and girls are, are saying, Hey, like, you know, I got this 12 week old puppy. What should I be doing? Like, you know, gunfire, bird intro, like all this, you're frazzled. I get it. I was, I was there, man. I was so there. Um, I, my answer hasn't changed really at all. And you may have heard us on a prior episode, but I think it's worth repeating is enjoy your puppy. Enjoy your bird dog. That, that bird dog's coming into a new home, a new environment. Um, you're adjusting to a new dog. It might be your first one or I don't know, maybe your fifth one. Enjoy that dog. Um, <laughs> kind of like kids. They're, they're only little ones. And uh, you have so much time and so much uh, potential ahead of that dog that um, you need to enjoy them and really help work with them on being becoming good citizens of your house. Um, house rules, potty training. Um, yeah, there's there's you know, lots of, of bird dog things that you need to start working in there, but those will come in time. So I always say first step, first thing to start with is just enjoy that puppy. Uh, I know when I got Gage... Um, I, w- I was frantic. I was like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, he's 12 weeks old and I haven't shot a bird over him. Like, again, I was naive and dumb and <laughs> I'm sure we've all been there. But um, again, through, through help with some people, you know, reaching out, asking questions, all that stuff, I uh, really kind of started to slow down and be like, okay, okay, I got time. Everything will come in time. He's a puppy. He needs to learn. He needs to develop. He needs to bond with you. Um, so, so many of those things are going to come in time. Um, so, so just take your time, relax take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. You're going to have a bird dog. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. You're going to have a bird dog. Um, yeah. The help of, of pro trainers are fantastic. If you don't have a lot of time, once you get really into that bird dog stuff, yeah, find a trainer that you trust and, and send your dog off. If you, if you got the time and you know, some access to birds or, or whatnot, yeah, invest the time. It's, it's so much fun. Uh, going through that process together. Uh, I had my dogs out uh, a couple days ago with my son and um, yeah, just with, with our pigeons and a, a blank pistol. And, and we had the best time um, just getting them out there. Um, so, so working with them yourself can be so rewarding. And that's where you need to uh, do your research. Do your research on what kind of training method do you want to do? Is it the Smith method? Is it the Hickox method? Is it this other method? Is it this? Like, compile what makes sense to you, ask questions, talk to people. And and like I said, reach out, reach out to to other trainers or friends or whoever it might be and compile, you know, what makes sense to you? What are the goals that you want for that dog? Um, And so all that to say, guys, I hope that makes sense, but just really slow the process down. You're going to have a bird dog by the end of it. Um, I didn't start, um, gosh, I'd have to look back at some of my notes I keep, but Gage, I was kind of all over the place uh, with my dogs after, after him, I got a little bit wiser, <laughs> a little bit smarter. And, uh, it's like e-collar work. A lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, should I, should I put an e-collar on my three month old puppy? No, 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 no. Um, with Wynn, I mean, she didn't have an e-collar on her until gosh, she was eight months, maybe eight months old. 
yeah, something like that. I, I really worked on, you know, recall and then that with her without a knee collar. And then, you know, you, you overlay those steps. And so, um, there's, those are some of the timelines, things like, you know, I said, I was working with, you know, crate training the dogs early on working on, you know, getting, getting them to go in their crate, getting them to be quiet in their crate. Like some of those things you can work, uh, work through at, at your house that are, they're going to really, really pay off in the long run where you have a dog that you can enjoy. That's not you know running over your kids in the house and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, anyways, I, uh, I do have a buddy of mine who, uh, he's picking up his new puppy on Friday. I think this, this coming week, he's picking up a new bird dog, uh, from best gun dogs, Jared Moss out there at best gun dogs. And man, he's so excited. Kids are excited. Family's family's pumped. Uh, bringing in a new a new puppy, a new GSP, and uh, so yeah. I mean, this if this is the same thing I would tell him or anyone. Just you enjoy that puppy. And this is someone who's had bird dogs maybe pretty much his whole life, I think, or part of his majority of his adult life. Um, so bird dog stuff will come. Enjoy the puppy, and uh, the rest will will fall in the suit. And uh, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out, ask questions of people. I think it's a common theme. Uh, anyone just getting into upland hunting or anything uh, just reach out to people ask they're so willing to help uh, and, and kind of steer you along so anyways uh, FAQ section that is uh, a quick sneak peek of it uh, any other questions you'd like to shoot me uh, yeah shoot me a message and love to uh, compile a list and go over kind of a deeper dive on some of the more commonly asked questions so anyways uh, one other thing before we jump into the podcast um kind of an update for the podcast, at least for this, this season of life right now. Um, but between my work, family, uh, coaching sports, um, yeah, that's it. Work, family, uh, sports and hunting and my dogs, uh, things have gotten a little bit crazy, a little busy. So I apologize. Um, I've been kind of on an every other week podcast trend right now. Um, I think that's kind of the direction I'm going to head, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, I just need to kind of balance some things out with life and work and all that kind of stuff. Um, so more, a more manageable, sustainable thing for me is going to be going down to every other week, uh, podcast. I might surprise you and throw a, a bonus episode here or there, but uh, just kind of want to let you know what to expect going forward. We're getting into Christmas here. Again, work schedule's crazy. My son's hockey team, you know, things are ramping up there with a couple tournaments and, and things coming up. So um, anyway, just want to let you know what to expect. The springtime and summer, I could see going back to weekly. Uh, it's a little bit easier time for me uh, to get these podcasts done uh, in the evening. So Anyways, bear with me. Thanks uh, for your patience and and just uh, learning alongside me as I, I figure this out and balance uh, family and, and all that all that good stuff. So I really appreciate it. But hey, guys, I think that's about everything I wanted to cover. We're gonna jump uh, right into the episode. This is with Edgar Costello uh, from Hunt birds uh, you may recognize him uh, he has a big presence on social media does a lot of outdoor writing uh, you might see his stuff in uh, project upland magazine um, uh, wildlife Wyoming Wildlife Federation, all sorts of things. He has written some amazing pieces, and we uh, dive in, unpack some of the pieces he's written, and really just get to know him a little bit more on a deeper level. And so I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, so thanks to Edgar, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Well, that's awesome. How's, uh, how's the uh, season been for you so far? Doing all right? It's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I'd be hunting a little bit more just because of re- uh, retirement, but, uh, you know, uh, other things always get in the way or not in the way, but you, you know, uh, sure. I've got, we've got family in town from central America. So, you know, playing, um, uh, tour guide, even though they, <laughs> they 
come here every year, but yeah, uh, you guys sh- shuttle yeah. them around and yeah, well, they're my parents. And then, uh, my daughter, you know, my oldest, I've got two. So my oldest graduated and she's in Florida. So she's been coming back and she's working for an out, uh, uh, church ministries down there in Florida. Oh, nice. Uh, we're, we're very involved, uh, in yeah. church and that's great at church and faith, uh, not to get into onto that subject, but, uh, it plays a huge part in our family. So, yeah. uh, We've got that, and then my youngest is at K State. They both went to K State, but my youngest is coming back, and she's been working on some stuff. So just yeah, just doing family stuff and getting out here and there. But yeah, as other than that, it's been really pretty pretty good. Uh, yeah, to get some trips in, and uh, that's good. Uh, hopefully, here in a couple of days, I'll be getting back out. So yeah, well, that's that's great. Well, this yeah, that worked there. I, I I get the ministry thing in church, and I've I've been working in full time ministry for I think okay. thir- yep. 13, 13 years now. So <laughs> it's definitely definitely a huge part of our life as well. So, yep. um, yep. and you were you were did you go to a, a big writers conference not too long ago? Yep, uh, just actually about a month ago to okay. Vermont. Okay. My wife and I, my wife accompanied me, and uh, so it was my first one. I just joined recently, uh, earlier this year, so we went up there, and uh, uh, it was good. Uh, it was, you know, just like anything, any other profession, networking, meeting new people, figuring out, because I'm still trying to figure out this outdoor writing thing, and and uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to ask what what is it? House hunting, but it didn't work out. Okay, I, I don't know if you follow uh, David Lemire. I'm not sure if I do. So, uh, the hunt, the hunt, the wild huntsman podcast. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, he's, he's in law enforcement. And, uh, so we have that connection and, uh, I've been on his podcast a couple of times. So we were, we were trying to connect and, uh, I wanted to get into, I don't care if I shoot one for me, if I do, that's great. But just to get out into the, you know, the North woods, and experience that but uh, it didn't happen but uh, uh i'm definitely we're already talking uh, we we talk quite frequently but i'm gonna head back out there uh maybe next year and try to get a grouse hunt but yeah it, it was good it was a good time i've never been up great. to that part of the town so. yeah that's that's really cool um I, I was gonna ask if you could expand a little bit like what is an outdoor writers conference really is it just connecting with people like what what what's kind of entailed uh, just like any other, prof- you know, uh, uh, craft improvement, um, they had seminars, breakout sessions, you know, cool. if you were a photographer, podcaster, um, uh, outdoor, it, it encompasses the full spectrum of out the term they use is outdoor communicator. So if, mm. whether you run a blog, a website, podcaster, um, um, you, you were able to sign up for various classes Gotcha. Um, there was a lot of outdoor writing classes to actually um, apply what you have what you had learned in the class, and then networking. And they had a a panel of like seven different uh, um, editors slash heads of different magazines and websites. Wow. A Q and A, so you can kind of see what they're looking for, and uh, a lot of people walked away with assignments or or future articles or stories um but it was good i mean it's just same as in law enforcement you know if i go to a a, a tactical officers uh conference you know you're sure, going to learn sure. about 
different techniques and how to apply them. And yeah, very cool. I, I, I had no idea there was such a thing now. For, yeah, for, I, I didn't that's know. cool. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I would encourage anyone. There were several podcasters there, um, with pretty good size audiences or mm-hmm. have a lot farther reach. And sure. so I'm going to be on a couple of those, but I, I would really encourage anyone, um, to look into it, uh, as far as joining. Um, the next one is in Casper, Wyoming. And mm. I mean, I, that's, that's not far from me. No, like I said, it's, I've liked it. I think it's been very beneficial, beneficial for me. That's cool. Uh, but we'll see how it, how it plays out. Yeah, know, absolutely. Well, well, I'm excited to to dive into that side a little bit more, talk about, you know, some of your writing and, and that whole journey. Um, but before we get too far in, why don't we um, do two things, introduce yourself, just give us a little overview of, uh, of who you are and, uh, and first put us on the map. Where are you located? Uh, well, first off, my name is, uh, Edgar Castillo. Uh, I'm in, uh, Kansas city metro area, uh, on the Kansas side, um, born in central America. I mean, most people probably know from either listening to me or reading my bio, but I was born in uh, Guatemala. I came here when I was a little, little boy, um, and, uh, didn't grow up hunting. My, my father obviously uh, didn't hunt, um, uh, back home and, uh, he was introduced by a neighbor of ours and I uh, tagged along as a young little kid, you know, following in his father's footsteps and it just kind of grew from there. Um, I was in law enforcement for 27, 28 years um, at various levels and served in the Marine Corps and uh, retired. And now I'm an outdoor writer. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. Um, that's great. I want to get into a little bit more. So your, so your dad was introduced to someone, right? Hunting. Was that in, in, uh, where you were born? And then no, here, here oh, in Kansas. Okay. Oh, here in Kansas. Okay. So you guys moved to Kansas. How, how old are you guys or how old were you when you moved to the States? When, when I first came here, I was like two or three years old Okay, I left. My sister was born in Guatemala That's, uh, and then we returned. And so, but like when I first started hunting was, 10 years old i was gone for you know a while came back and uh yeah about 10 years old it was our neighbor tom um was actually uh getting his decoys together to go out on a duck hunt and my dad literally just walked over there and said you know hey, what are you doing and i <laughs> said i'm i'm getting my my gear ready to go out and uh a week later my dad was on the shore of Hillsdale Lake, uh, <laughs> taking instruction by uh, from Tom on uh, uh, the fundamentals of duck hunt, and it, it, it just kind of struck a chord with my dad, um, and he's been doing it ever since. And then, wow. obviously, that's how I got looped into it. Yeah, was was hunting in Guatemala? Was that even a thing? I mean, is there any kind of hunting there? Uh, there is, but it's it's you know, here it's for the most part, recreational. I mean, I, you know, you know, as well as I do, a lot of us, uh, whether we're small game, upland, big game, uh, fishing, um, to feed our families, you know, uh, um, the the price per pound is not, is not a good value. (laughs) Yeah. Um, in, in what the, um, it's, it's, it's not done for recreational, you know, it's for, it's, smaller towns and villages 
families uh, that use it as as a means to um, add to their food intake. You know, so there yeah. were, there are no. I guess I shouldn't say at the time there was no when my when my dad was growing up there was no rules regulations conservation gotcha. enforced or even if there were I I couldn't tell you mm. um, it was just not you know there was large numbers of, of sure. game that were being depleted okay. um, but and it's still not a recreational it's not sure. a, a pastime it's just it's not, a, yeah it's just not a big thing down there yeah. No, that makes, that makes sense. So, so your, your neighbor, Tom gets your dad out into the duck blind. Where, where did kind of that passion start to ignite for you? Like, were it was it immediate? Did it kind of develop over time? Uh, yeah. Um, like I said, you know, as most young boys or young kids, you know, you, especially as a, as a, as a young man, um, you know, you wanted to be like your dad, you know? And, uh, so I would see, you know, I would walk over at Tom was next door and I'd go over there and watch him, you know, talk to my dad. And there was a, there was a language barrier, obviously. Um, and uh, but, you know, my dad started figuring things out and I, you know, I just started just kind of also learning, you know, little bits and pieces as far as just duck hunting. And uh, and then it just I don't know, it just kind of grew from there. I, it it really wasn't ignited until later in life. It was when I was younger, I, I just remember my dad, you know, getting his stuff ready. I would sit downstairs. He'd clean his, my mom had bought him his first shotgun. Nice. And, um, you know, I'd watch him get all his gear ready. And then, you know, early in the morning I would hear him leave and I always wanted to go with him. I always, yeah. you know, I would get up sometimes and, and, you know, just kind of see what he was doing, smelling the coffee in the morning. And then he yep. would take off and come, you know, back later in the day. And I always wanted to do that. But yeah, uh, because of my age and everything. Uh, but then if I finally was invited and uh, that that didn't last long because I couldn't sit still. <laughs> I kept asking questions. <laughs> were, you, were you uninvited? <laughs> and complained about the cold because we were not used to even, at, you know, still not sure. used to cold weather. And so I would be uh, uh, subjected to the uh, confines of the truck. The <laughs> uh, so it was kind of like that for, for a while. And then, uh, um, you know, cars, best friends and girls came into the picture during junior high school and high school. And that kind of took um, priority and then uh, college. And then when I came back from the Marine Corps for my first, uh, my first appointment back, my dad asked me to go hunt. We went pheasant hunting. I shot a rooster. And from that point on, it was a Saturday morning. Um, minutes after uh, shooting light, I, I shot a, a big old rooster. And uh, that just kind of started. And it, ever since then, it's it's been with me. And then it's grown, obviously, substantially as the years progressed. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome, Edgar. Do you, uh, has it, are you recently retired in the last year or so or exactly a year ago? Okay. Exactly okay. Ago. Well, congratulations first. <laughs> that's, that's exciting. Um, has it even grown more and more time you have now? Has it just been, has that, has that passion ignited even more just with the extra time you've had? No, not real. Not since I retired, it, it's grown um, probably within the last seven years, but, 
even more so in the last four since I started writing. Okay. It has changed, not really changed, not, not my outlook or anything like that. Sure. But I, I've now integrated the writing, and I've seen a diff, not a different side, but just it's it it's a little bit more personable to me now, even more so, just because I'm sharing the stories of my yeah. father. You know, because a lot of stuff that I write is actually comes from him. Hmm. Um, but yeah, more I, I would say that writing definitely. Um, well, the writing piece probably just you're looking at it maybe through a, through a, a different lens, right? Than you maybe normally would. It just brings yeah. another dimension into it. Yeah, uh, you know, I just when I first started, I you know, I didn't think anyone would be interested in hearing or reading about. You know, I think we probably all as hunters probably have similar stories, you know, uh, one to follow, uh, follow their father out in the, the woods or go fishing. And, but the lessons learned that, you know, when I was out in the field or just watching my dad get things ready, they just always, you know, stuck with me and, you know, in, in the hopes that it ignites something or some passion to someone else or some interest. And that's my ultimate goal as far as writing, sure. you know, but, sure. uh, um, I was going to ask before, before I move on, have, uh, have any of your kids gotten involved in the outdoors or hunting or anything like that? No, uh, we're, we're an outdoor family. Uh, we're, we're an outdoor family. So, uh, hiking, um, when they were younger, uh, but I, I took them dove hunting, but it, it, it yeah. you know, not that they didn't like it. It's just, sure. you know, just didn't, just, it wasn't for them. And yeah, they're, yeah. they're young ladies now. I mean, they, they hike and camp a lot, yeah. but just, I didn't want to push it. Uh, but the times that we were able to go out, uh, into the dove field or just walk along, you know, walk, sure. walk in the woods, uh, they've always enjoyed it, but uh, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Getting, just getting them outside and going for hikes and camping. That's, that's some of the, the best memories I've had with my kids so far. They're little, but just, you know, they're always begging to go camping and just, just, just be out there. And my five-year-old right now, he's all about um, helping train dogs and pigeons and birds and all that stuff. So it's, I think the seeds being planted right now, but we'll, we'll see how it develops. Uh, well, I, I think it's so important, no matter what kind of outdoor discipline it, it is. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it played an important part in my life. So, yeah. Um, and I think it has with my daughter. So that's awesome. Um, before we move on, definitely want to, want to talk into the, you know, talk more about the writing side and, and all that, but how was your, uh, your Colorado trip? Uh, you did a Colorado grouse trip here recently. Uh, how'd that go? It was, it was great. It was epic. Um, we had a great time. Um, we shot five out of the, we went for three, four species, ended up going after a total of six, but we got five out of six. Okay. Congrats. Um, met, That's awesome. Met some new people, made some new friends. Uh, we've been communicating quite a bit, so it's going to be, it's going to be one of those lifelong friendships. Definitely. Um, got to see some new country and, and, and hunt new terrain. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever hunted Colorado before? No, I have okay. not. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause you got, did you guys go after ptarmigan? We did. We did. How was that? <laughs> it was different. Um, <laughs> to start off, uh, I'm in pretty good. I'm in pretty good shape for being 50 years old, as well as 
what I had to do for work. Sure. The positions that I held. Um, and so rigorous hunting and, and getting after birds is not, you know, it's not a big deal, but when we, when we were told that you get, you guys may want to purchase some oxygen. Gland, <laughs> I knew something was going to be, and they were taking, you know, where we live at, yeah. you know, uh, uh, compared to where we were going to be. Yeah. That's, that's a huge, that's a huge gain. Yeah. I, I mean, I think here in Kansas city, we're at 900, maybe a thousand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. And then we go to almost 13. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, I didn't get term again, personally. Uh, uh, one of my best friends, Dan, uh, he did. And okay. then our, one of, one of our hosts, Dennis, um, they were able to get on uh, quite a few birds. Okay. And so I was happy for, for both yeah. of them. Well, even uh, just to was, find those birds, that's, that's a feat in itself. Yeah. Uh, I was on one end or on the other side of this, uh, valley or this Canyon. And, you know, I was just, all the rocks were playing tricks on me because Dennis, our host was telling us, you know, they, you can just walk right past them. Sure. And you, you never know it just because of the camouflage. So I think I'd see a bird and it was actually a rock, but, uh, <laughs> but the park ranger and the info from the biologists, we were told we could find them on the trail right there going in. And, uh, mm. but that, that was not the case for me, but Dan and Dennis, they were 13, they were, close to 13,000 feet, like Jeez. not a wide path of where they were standing when they, when they got into birds, but okay, okay, uh, it, it was cool. It was really neat to, to, to hunt in that type of uh, terrain and that habitat. Yeah. That's different for sure. It, it, it has a flavor of um, almost like a big game atmosphere. Cause you're, you're high elevation woods. It's just different. It's different. Yep. I've never chased ptarmigan. Um, I've chased blue grouse a couple times, mountain sharp tail. Um, but it's, yeah, it's different for sure. <laughs> yeah. We, um, like I said, we, we took oxygen cans and then as soon as we got out of the truck and we had to uh, go up another 1500 feet, uh, we had to, we quickly figured out how are we going to carry our shotgun <laughs> as well as traverse, you know, the, yeah. the, the mountainside. So lucky for me, I have a hunt ready bass. Uh, all of us did except for Dennis. He had a, a backpack, but, uh, the vest that we had on, uh, we figured out how to, um, insert our shotguns and they actually held up very, Oh, it's kind of hold it as you hiked and then use our trekking poles, uh, to make our way up the, the, the mountain path. Oh, that's, that's smart. Way. You guys smart. You pack the trekking poles. So yeah, you could need those. And then so what else you guys, uh, do you guys get into sage grouse and mountain sharp tail as well? Yep. Uh, nice. sage grouse, the two day season, uh, um, yep, that's short, <laughs> short. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was that, uh, that short until we started doing our research. Uh, we got into duskies, uh, got into a ton of snipe. We could have spent mm. all day long shooting snipe. Wow. Uh, some doves out in the sage flats. And uh, the the one that eluded us was the the Colombian sharptail. Okay, um, we didn't see any, and we had solid intel, hmm. good information, um, general places to yeah. try and hunt. Um, but we didn't see anything, and uh, you know, but 
we had a great time. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, those those sharp tail eluded me this year as well <laughs> out there on the mountains. I don't know what it was. They uh, they were hiding well, I guess. Yeah, it was not what I was thinking of. I've never hunted sharp tails before. Uh, I envision uh, Nebraska, the Dakotas, sure. um, and then when we got there and went to the places that we were told to try, uh, it was you know small mountains knolls and <laughs> yeah. it was just it was not what i was expecting yeah uh, the habitat obviously i was just thinking grasslands and yeah maybe, have you hunted them in the grassland before or just or just not at all at, at okay. all yeah never okay. yeah okay so yeah i had a different picture regarding sharp tails but sure uh, i'm de- we're definitely going back yeah, that's good that's, that's that's a good thing it sounds like a, a positive uh experience yeah, sharp, sharpies have become uh, probably my favorite favorite to hunt right now um, in the grasslands. I would say, <laughs> Mountain, again, mountains are mountains are tough, man. I've I've lived in Colorado six years now, and um, doesn't matter. I mean, again, I'm in decent shape, I would say, and it those mountains can kick your butt very quickly. Yep, yeah, they really can. Well, that's awesome, Edgar. Um, let's uh, let's jump into uh, just some of the writing. Uh, the, the, again, you've you've kind of you said you mentioned maybe the past seven or so years, you've kind of picked up this, what do you call it? You call it a hobby of, of writing or like what, what ignited this for you? Uh, it's actually been, it's always been in the back of my mind. Um, I, I, I often say um, when I was a little kid, uh, when my dad was learning, you know, there was a local gun shop here uh, and that's where we, my dad went to to, you know, buy ammo and hunt licenses. And I always remember at that time you walked in off to the left there was uh always mag you know uh hunt magazines and i specifically remember the shooting sportsman um um field and stream outdoor life uh, and flipping through those and you know even as i i've always been an avid reader and even as i was growing up i always envisioned or you know dreamed of man one day i want to share my adventures and my stories. And I think like most of us uh, probably think that it's unattainable, you know, for various reasons. And then uh, uh, about four years ago, I had the opportunity and uh, I've been writing ever since. And I've been so lucky, so blessed to, to, to meet a lot of people. And, and especially I'm not actively seeking other um, magazines or outlets. Uh, a lot of it is just, Hey, you know, we've been following you and are you interested in writing something up? So it's, it's been really fun and, and I'm sharing my adventures as well as my, my stories and my father's, um, lessons learned from the field. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, so you mentioned you get, you know, a lot of your, your writing from your father, are you, are you kind of, I guess my question, were you writing, I mean, way back when, when you were hunting with your dad, when you were younger, or are you just kind of recalling, you know, memories, trips and things that you guys would, would do and kind of pulling those yeah, out? Just, just things that just kind of stuck with me. I, obviously for work, I had a, a write. you know, you have to write investigative reports and I've always, I was always a very good report writer. Um, and it just, when I was asked to do it, I was, I didn't know what to write and I just, kind of fell back on um, 
outings with my dad and just like I said, just things that he taught me. And some of the stuff that I write is is not, you know, exciting or sexy per se. You know, it's, you know, how to cross a fence. It's because <laughs> I my dad, yeah, you know, when we were when I was um growing up and following him along and you know, he would sit down and 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 show me, you know, uh, gun safety and 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 these lessons um that he was taught and he wanted to pass on to me and they, you know a lot of the times that um that we were out there um these things that i write about is you know that that that's how my dad hunted and yeah that's what i knew so that's how i hunt or or you know whether it's tactics or, or tips it, yeah. you know those things were passed on to me yeah well i think that's something that's needed too i mean when i started getting into upland hunting and and trying to do research there wasn't a ton out there. Like, again, it might not be these monumental things, but those simple right. things like you cross, like you said, crossing a fence or shotgun safety, things like that. Um, to have that content written down and for, for new hunters to be able to, you know, one, get excited about and, and read some cool stories, but also some of those things that are just practical that it's nice to be able to reflect back on and, and actually read. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you. Like I said, when I first started, uh, Project Upland has been, AJ, they've been really great um, about allowing me to pitch these ideas. And, and at first, you know, almost every single one that I, I send in, um, I believe at some point I'm going to get told, you know, hey, this is just not exciting or, <laughs> or uh, this is just a very mundane topic. And then, you know, they usually it's turned around and, and say, Hey, this is great. This is, <laughs> you know, very unique. There's not, a, and there's not a whole lot of that out there. And so I, I quickly figured out there was a, a small niche um, um, by me sharing that those stories and those things that I was, that I was taught. Yeah. Are you, are you writing just for PU right now? Or are you writing for other magazines or? Um, I've got, uh, I write for Wyoming Wildlife Federation, uh, which is uh, a nonprofit similar to Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, yep. the Sage Grouse Initiative and Rough Grouse mm -hmm. Society, uh, organizations such mm -hmm. as that, uh, dealing with conservation issues in Wyoming specifically. Um, I've written for the Rough Grouse Society, uh, Pheasants uh, Forever and Quail Forever. Okay. Um, I just had my first piece for Strong, um, mm -hmm. And uh, I've got something coming out for Hunt to Eat um, oh, nice. here in the next couple of weeks. Um, some stuff for our, um, our local Kansas uh, DNR magazine. Okay. Wow, you get a little uh, bit of everything. Yeah, just yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's awesome. How'd you get connected with the uh, Wyoming Wildlife Federation? Because I, I know you've done a lot of a lot of writing for like Sage Grouse Initiative and all that kind of stuff. How'd you How'd you get connected with down that path? Um. We, we've been hunting Wyoming for the last two, three years. And so uh, they reached out to me um, two, about two years ago um, to share some insiders or, or, you know, personal story. And so I wrote about our first trip. Hmm. And, uh, and like I said, it, 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 it's really nothing super exciting. It's just, you know, how we – Kansas flatlanders traveled to Wyoming and, uh, uh, our adventures, you know, um, in uh, big open sage country chasing this bird that, uh, 
is under the radar uh, or not under the radar, but you know, the focus of a lot of uh, conservation uh, issues. And I felt like I needed to, to share our story uh, before the opportunity to hunt sage grouse maybe mm-hmm. comes to a close. Uh, so I, I wrote that, that was my first piece. And then after that, they, they, they asked if I wanted to, to write a couple more. And so I've been writing about one, one every, every year. Um, I wrote a Teddy Roosevelt and his connection, uh, a historical piece. Mm-hmm. Then I did one on wing collection and the importance of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one recently on eating sage grouse. So mm-hmm. all, all based on personal yeah. um, hunts there in, in Wyoming, every time we've, uh, we've gone. That's, that's very cool. Um, with, with the whole sage grouse thing, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this with sage grouse. Um, do you, just your personal thoughts, do you feel it's, is it on a downward trend still in Wyoming or is it, do you think it's getting better or, or do you think, you know, I don't, we've done very well when we've gone to Wyoming, we see a lot of birds. So I, I can't really base if I was to base it on the number of birds that we get into and numbers of birds that we shoot, you know, mm-hmm. limits sure. uh, or close to limits, um, that I would, I would say it to, to me and our group, it appears that, you know, say grouse are, are, are on an upward trend or main, you know, maintaining, you know, um, uh, a good population, but okay. what, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen or read yeah, you, you, you hear the, stuff, the... A lot of the material out there, um, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, the habit, obviously the habitat is, is, um, is being affected in, in the loss of habitat, mm-hmm. other conservation issues. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't see it. I'm not saying yeah. that that's, it's not sure. happening. It's just when we go out there, it's just, you know, what you're seeing on the ground is different, yeah. uh, but I've talked to enough people, um, biologists and game wardens that we that we use when we go up there uh to find out where to go or the best places and, and they're telling us yeah you know um you may want to hunt sage grouse you know if you have the opportunity because you don't know what's going to yeah. happen yeah you know the following year or so so sure that's awesome i, I chased uh sage grouse in colorado here for the first time ever uh, they eluded me but um but it was a blast it was it was fun being able to just even you know didn't get a shot at one but just being able to chase them I, you know that yeah. was that was something fun to say say i was able to do well, we'll have to try to get together uh, next year and then when we come yeah. out to, uh, and, and that was one of the main reasons actually was why we chose colorado because we were told that the season is being looked at yeah um, um right now and there may not yeah be one um compared to Wyoming, which, you know, it may take a couple of years sure, to, to get there. But, uh, yeah. But Colorado is more on the forefront of, uh, of that season being closed. Yeah. No, uh, I can, and I can imagine the reason why we went out there. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, one more thing on kind of on the writing side, I wanted to, wanted to touch on, can you walk me through more? So I'm just curious. I think some of the listeners might be curious, walk me through your writing process for something. Um, so say you're writing a new story. So not something that's, you know, from your, with your dad or, or childhood, do you have a process for, for writing a story when you, when you sit down and go, Hey, I'm going to put this piece out for PU or, or whatever magazine. Like, do you have a process? Uh, not, not really per se. Uh, 
like I said, a lot of the stuff that I write, whether it's crossing, how to cross fences, uh, I wrote one on pheasant call. It, it saw, there's always a connection to my father. Okay. Most of the time. Sure. If I'm writing those how to's or tips. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I just kind of recall, you know, from memory and talk to my dad to verify, you know, that's, you know, that's what happened. <laughs> there and, you go. And, uh, uh, um, and then, you know, like I said, I just kind of just start writing and, and, and if I try to infuse other aspects I've been doing, I've been on, I talk a lot about a history kick. Uh, so if there is a history element to it, I, I do research. Um, I go to libraries. I uh, try to find old hunt magazines. Hmm. Uh, I've been getting a lot of topics from old hunt magazines and uh, talked and interviewed people and, and uh, you know, try to get some old photographs to, to go along with the, with the, with the article. And uh, you know, my wife, has a journalism background so i'll tap into her uh for some info and feedback and uh um and then from there like i say just kind of just kind of pitch it and i, I think i have a, a pretty eclectic um articles you know a diverse sure. uh, uh different topics um from how to's a history to just personal stories so yeah that's fantastic. Have you just, just a personal question. Have you ever thought about putting this into a book someday or you, or do you really, do you really enjoy the article side? I like the article side. I think the book would be too frustrating. I met <laughs> too many actual book writers, authors at the, uh, the recent outdoor writers conference I went to. And yeah, I couldn't even imagine filling up uh, 200 pages. <laughs> I don't even know if people are reading those stuff that I'm putting out now. So why, you know, I don't know if they would be interested in reading 200 pages of my, of, you know, my mission. Hey, you never, you never know. People could surprise you. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up that that historical side too. I, that was one of the things I wanted to touch on, um, and I, I didn't have a rhyme or reason, but I've just seen uh, you've pulled you pulled out at least from social media. I've seen you pull out some some cool historical pieces, some photos, and uh, I just I just thought that's that's a kind of a cool thing that I think we can just I can miss sometimes. You know, when you're you're researching upland or hunting, I think reflecting back on that historical side of of how things originally were or where we started. Um, it, it's, it's just kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, it just, it, that kind of just happened by accident. Um, uh, uh, like I said, I, I read a lot. Um, I, I, I enjoy history. So, uh, and I wasn't even looking for, um, a, uh, a topic to write on. Um, I actually came across, it all started, I came across an old, uh, menu from a restaurant here in Kansas City, which is still open. It's the uh, oldest, uh, longest surviving restaurant hmm. uh, west of the Mississippi. Wow. Uh, the Savoy. And it was an old ad or uh, a, rep a reproduction of an old ad. And it talks about Teddy Roosevelt and other uh, well-known um, famous individuals uh, that would come to the Savoy to eat prairie chicken. Mm -hmm. And so, and this was like early 1900s. And it just kind of, 
I kept on thinking about it. And so I just started doing research. I called the Savoy and then I started doing um, uh, some digging around on the, on the internet. And I started uh, finding bits and pieces of uh, uh, some very interesting numbers and facts and market hunting. And so that started my kickoff on that. And then from there, it's, I, I've been coming across all these little interesting tidbits of information and that's morphed into these, all these different uh, stories. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. That is so cool. I love that. What, what's that restaurant called? I was curious. The Savoy. The Savoy. Okay. That's the pretty Savoy, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. They don't serve prairie chicken no more. You know, <laughs> uh, what? They don't serve prairie chicken? What? <laughs> but yeah, it was, I mean, it was the place to be. And, and then, um, uh, uh, Mark Twain was a big, uh, I, I didn't know he was a bird hunter, you know, oh, that, wow. that's one of those things that I, wow. I discovered. Uh, he, he loved when he was in Europe, uh, he was in Europe for a while. And he, he when he was asked about the food, you know, you, yeah. you think of European, you know, French cuisine, sure. Italian, Spanish, uh, you know, most people probably, you know, most people that visit speak of the food. And he didn't like it. He thought uh, uh, it wasn't good. And when um, when he was coming back to the United States, he wrote uh, a list of uh, a, a long list of items that he wanted to eat upon his return to the United States. And it's it, of those all those items, four were of game birds. Hmm. It was wow. canvas back ducks, uh, prairie chicken, grouse and quail wow and um and he also mentioned turkey and then that caught my interest i did some research and I, that's how i ended up writing that that article on mark twain and his uh bird hunting uh connection that's fascinating that's fascinating i'll have to uh, i'll have to go read that i don't yeah. think i saw that one that's awesome man um well we're touching on kansas so so let's go to kansas for a little bit um I kind of want to just touch on each, each of the, the, the bird species in Kansas, upland birds. And uh, first off, let's start with the prairie chicken. And when I think, I don't know why, but when I, when I think of prairie chicken, I think of you. <laughs> and is that just because, <laughs> is that your favorite bird to hunt? And is it just talk about the prairie chicken, your, your love for this bird. And uh, we'll go from there. Uh, the prairie chicken was my favorite bird. Um, my favorite bird tends the change about every single time i i face <laughs> a new bird okay uh, but the prairie the chicken was at the top of my list um for for ever since i was introduced to them about maybe 12 years ago but uh uh yeah a bird of the open you know uh, open grasslands big open country uh kansas is only grouse uh now because uh, we used to have sharp tails uh, but uh it's it's a tough bird to hunt you know yeah. i i think besides scale quail in kansas i get the other question that i get um is about prairie chicken hunting and um two types of hunting basically early season you walk up birds with dogs and then late season you find a place where they're either coming in or going out to feed or mm -hmm. roost and you set up kind of like your duck or dove hunting uh and you pass shoot them okay um, and uh um I, I hunt them like i do early season I, I in the late season i just know where they're at 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I have a, I have a decent knack of finding them. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I get into quite a few, uh, prairie chickens and, uh, uh but yeah, it, it's a little bit different hunting. It's yeah. not, you know, corn Milo, unless you come across some feeding, but it's sure you're walking. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're putting in miles to yeah. find, you know, one bird. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I can attest to that. Um, are they pretty consistent on location from early to late season or are they moving yeah, pretty yeah. far in your experience? No, if, you, if you come across prairie chickens, uh, I would say, you know, how, whatever means that you use to mark those areas, whether it's on X or, you know, writing down notes and on a, sure. on an actual, you know, Atlas or, or a map or, or a journal, um, uh, keep those uh, close to you because for the most part, they're going to be there uh, unless someone comes in and just completely decimates them or shoots them out or puts a lot of pressure on them. But uh, in my experience in the 15 years that I've been hunting, there are some, there are areas that I, that I, that I hunt every year and they're always there. Hmm. Um, and uh, new places that I find, I mark them. And uh, uh, the recent two places that I found, I know that they've, they've been there for years. So I know next year, Sure. I mean, they're not going to be exactly at your pin, you know, the the general 50, hundred yards. I mean, in the, you know, uh, the general area, they're, they're going to be there. Yeah. Are they, yeah. Are they, are they not really then edge birds? Would you say, are they more that they need that large grassland area? Yeah, they do. I, I mean, we, we do kick them up along the fence lines. Uh, just because depending on what the habitat, you know, they, they want a high point, you know, because they want to okay. see what's coming after them to eat them. Okay. Um, so uh, we hunt a lot of ridges, uh, leeward sides of, of hills. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think if I've ever come across one, you know, on a low end uh, of a piece of a property, but it's they're they're always on the top of hills, you know, or okay. ridges. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but uh, not necessarily edge birds. Um, sure. Um, uh, you know, Kansas chickens, it may be, I've never had a chickens up in the Dakota, so it may be completely sure. different birds that I'm chasing here in the Flint Hills or Smoky Hills. They are bird of the open grassland, large yeah. tracts uh, of land. Yeah. At some point they've got rolling Hills or some, you know, a, a little bit of elevation. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then do you know much of, cause I, there's the greater and the lesser. Correct. Which one can you not hunt there in Kansas? The lesser. The lesser. Okay. So, le- and, yeah, and that's uh, just in that lower southwest corner, right? So, yeah, southwest corner. Uh, Kansas puts out uh, a a map, a diagram uh, with the no hunting prairie chicken zone, mm-hmm. and it, it's a pretty good sized swath of land. Um, and there are graders that are overlapping, but uh, you know, obviously they don't want, um, you know, you can't identify one in, in, in mid flight, you know, sure. less, lessers are going to be smaller birds. They're a little bit lighter coloration as far as the barring, okay. um, you know, it'd be easily, to, very easy to misidentify a young of the year greater, yeah. you know, that hasn't gotten full plumage. Sure. Um, and 
shooting into those instead. Yeah. Do you know, has that been, has that area been closed for a long time? Like is the plan to hopefully reopen that someday or is it just closed forever? I hope so. I I actually hunted them um, down in the Cimarron grasslands when the season was open, there was a, uh, a season open for lessers. And so the Southwest corner, as you mentioned, was one of the primary places within the state to find lessers. Uh, I never shot one, but we, you know, I came across them when we were hunting scale quail. And then 10 years ago, um, after research and, 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 identifying that the numbers were, were dwindling. Um, that's when they closed the season. Um, the last several years, uh, the guys that I hunt with our small group, we run into a lot of less, now, they, they could be greaters, but where we are at, you, you kind of feel like they're lessers. Well, they're, I could, you know, when we're, we're flushing them, I mean, they're like popcorn. They're huh. everywhere. They're a little bit smaller bird. Um, and late season, so it's not like they've um, they, like, like they haven't grown. Sure, uh, we, we're pretty confident that the what we're coming across are lessers. Okay. We're seeing them. I mean, we're I mean, we're talking like hundreds of birds really uh, over a couple of days. And then I've talked to other bird hunters or, and deer and pronghorn hunters out west that are saying the same thing: is they're out mm-hmm. hunting and they're you know working these ridges, ridge tops, and they're mm-hmm. just wow small football sized birds that are just flushing everywhere. So, well, so, so hopefully they're, yeah, hopefully they're coming back in good numbers and maintaining. Yeah. I heard this year that the numbers are uh, increasing. So maybe they will reevaluate at some point and maybe we will, Kansas will have uh, a lesser prairie chicken. The the minimum is two for graders and Mm -hmm. it was two back when it was open. Um, So maybe they may lessen that to that yeah. one and maybe just have like a week or two. Yeah. Season. Short, short season. You can chase them. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, and let's move on to scaled quail. Um, I know you guys, uh, have, do you have a, would you say a good population of scalies? A, a small, small. Okay. De- definitely huntable. Uh, you got to put in your work. Uh, they, they run just like they do down in New Mexico and Arizona. Cause I've hunted mm-hmm. them down there too. Uh, but, uh, small, small population, um, down in the Southwest corner, Cimarron grasslands is one of the main areas where you can find them. Uh, and they are de- very dependent on, um, uh, water, rain habitat. And so if you've got some good rains, you're probably going to have a, a, a pretty good hatch and your, your chances would increase. I would, I would, I would guess, but gotcha. I've well, shot them, but it's, it's been a while. They're, they're a tough okay. bird to hunt. What's, what's their habitat like? Is it, uh, I, I've never been down to the Cimarron, never chased them. So is it because I, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, you hear about kind of desert bird. So what, what are they, what's their habitat in Kansas? A, a desert grassland. Uh, hmm. I mean, we've got choya cactuses. We've got, uh, uh, yucca, uh, yucca cactus, yucca cactuses. Um, it, it, you're not going to be, you're not going to look around and think that you're in Arizona or New Mexico, obviously, uh, you don't have a bunch of cactuses, you know, sure. uh, everywhere, but, uh, we do have, like, as I said, uh, the Choya cactuses and, and yucca plants, um, uh, desert, uh, grass, you know, grass, short grass, um, rolling hills. Um, but that's, that's what you're going to be hunting. Um, yeah. you know, uh, we're, we're looking for structure regarding, uh, 
old farm trash piles. Uh, they like to sit on top of those and use that as like a cubby base. Okay. Uh, water tanks, windmills, uh, anything like that. Uh, we kind of gravitate towards. Um, you know, obviously we're looking for sign, but I, the ones that I shot, um, you know, they were, you know, in, in grass about five inches tall. Okay. You know, and it was, you know, uh, obviously there was cattle getting, being grazed on it because you could tell. But sure. Uh, yeah, different habitat than. Arizona, New Mexico, but yeah, think okay. of short grass, rolling hills. Yeah. Big open country. Will you, where you're hunting scalies, will you find bobs mixed in? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And in, 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 there in Kansas, in that part, there's the Cimarron River is the main water source that kind of, kind of cuts the Cimarron grasslands in half. The bobwhite quail are, are, typically found within the river corridor. Um, and then the, the scale or blue quail are going to be on the, on the north and south of the river corridor. Okay. Um, we have come across some Bob whites um, out into the, the desert grasslands, but uh, not, rare. we've never come across Bob's and blues, you know, uh, rather close to each other but gotcha. de- definitely i could see the i could see the overlapping depending on where you were hunting at and the type gotcha. of terrain and habitat okay very cool um l- last one we'll touch on and, and more so for this year i think i think most people are familiar with uh with the the iconic i guess rooster rooster pheasant um what's what's kind of the outlook this year are, are you excited for for pheasants and, and quail season this year like how are things looking uh, I am. Uh, we've been hearing uh, a lot of good reports, um, not only from this, the what KDWP, the Canada Department of Wildlife and Parks, recently put out, saying it was going to be a, a good year. Um, they had a good hatch, both for uh, actually the outlook for pheasants, quail, and chickens is looking very promising, as well as reports that I've gotten from friends, uh, landowners, farmers, uh, uh, ranch hands uh, that are dispersed throughout the, the state that I know uh, they've been, they've been telling me that they've been seeing quite a few birds. So I think it's going to be a good year. We, we've gotten a lot of rains. Um, so I, I think no matter where you go, you know, if you put in a little bit of work and scout, I think, uh, I think you're going to get into birds. Quail numbers have been up five for the last five years, just crazy numbers, at least where we go and yeah. where we, where we hunt you're talking multiple double digit coveys some points depending on where you're hunting at but yeah yeah, yeah hunters coming here or state hunters you're you're going to get into some good uh good numbers that's fantastic no I'm, I'm excited kansas um i've probably said this on another podcast kansas kind of kicked my butt last year i uh, i only spent three well yeah chasing chickens as well three days i think so i know it wasn't a ton of time but um, I was, I was in good, good walking areas, um, which you guys have a ton of it, by the way, you have some great, yeah. great walking program. Um, and yeah, I saw a couple hens here and there, but the, uh, the birds just, I don't know. They, were you, they were sneaky. Were you in the central or Western? Nor- yeah. Yeah. About, about North central, uh, last okay. year. Um, yeah. I, the first day I was West, pretty close to the border, Colorado. So that was okay. the first day. Then I moved further east, and yeah, uh, yeah good habitat. I mean, every every field I was in, I was I was excited, pumped up. Um, 
but uh, yeah, a couple hens here and there. Um, so yeah, this year might, might be different. Did you go early or late season? I went, I think I did an early, it was an early January trip. So oh, late season. Yeah. 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 I am, you know, I mean, you can walk into a field and yeah. they can just scoot out the back end. And, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, or, I was, yeah. I was talking with someone else on a, on a podcast recently and uh, there's, we have to admit there's a part of luck too. There's a part of luck yeah. that we all have to have. And some days it's not going to be there. So, well, uh, you know, I, I think we've mentioned it a couple of times, but yeah, if you come back out to Kansas, let's try to hook up. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get you on some birds. I, I may bl- I may blindfold you if we go to perfect yeah. spots, but uh, but understandable, bobs, understandable. Roosters and bobs. I'll uh, I'll I'll share a couple places, and Sounds I like good. them as public land. So uh, yeah, yeah, you know. that's awesome. Um, I want to get into uh, dogs a little bit. Um, so is it my understanding you you don't run dogs, correct? Right. Your own. I don't. I don't own a dog. You don't own a dog. Okay. No, I don't. So, which that has to be kind of cool then, because the people you're hunting with, I imagine are running dogs, right? Yeah. M- majority of the time. Um, so you've probably gotten to see quite a, quite a variety, I would say of breeds and, and, and dogs. What have, do you have any kind of, I guess, standout memories or, or experiences with, with some of the different breeds you've hunted over? Um, yeah, I, I, I gotta watch what I'm gonna say because I it, I know my best <laughs> friends are gonna be listening to this at some point, and uh, I, I rave about their dogs. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, the, my biggest memory, uh, I I've spoken about it, but not in detail. So uh, I, I've never I had we had Britneys when I was growing up, mm-hmm. so I, it, and laps. So uh, uh, I I do have experience hunting behind dogs uh, as an owner, sure, but because of work and deployments and, and whatnot yeah. it was just not conducive for me to have a bird dog um but a, a friend of mine uh who was also kind of in a similar position not being able to go out and demand a demanding job had a vishla and so a lot of people uh right when i first started instagram about five and a half years ago a lot of people thought this vishla staley was my dog mm. uh and, and even when we hunted together uh uh strangers and people that I would meet in the field um, because she just listened to me. I, I, I traveled to Nebraska, Missouri, other states with her. She was a, a great uh, bird dog. Sure. And so I'd pick her up. She'd listen to me. I mean, she acted very much like she was my, we were very close. I got hurt. Um, I had a medical emergency on the field and she wouldn't leave my side. And so it, uh, there was a strong bond yeah. there. Um, so I would say that Staley hunt behind Staley has been the most memorable for me, mm-hmm. um, uh, hunt behind a Vishla, uh, mm-hmm. but I've hunted, um, behind GSPs and labs, Britney's, uh, I got to throw, you know, German wire hair. I got to throw in my best friend, you know, <laughs> their draughts. Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> I've discovered draught owners are, uh, are a different breed of people. They're very, <laughs> they're very um, uh, very opinionated about their dog. And <laughs> Macy and Abby, uh, uh, Dan's dogs, they're great. They're versatile sure. dogs. I mean, they'll do everything, you know, yeah. waterfowl, upland, uh, as well as track deer and, and, and small game if you're, if you're into that. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah I've hunted behind a, a lot of different dog breeds and, 
uh, it's been kind of cool to see how they how they work differently in the field. You know, flusher retrievers and pointers. Yeah. So I've been very uh, very fortunate to, to have that experience. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, yes. My mind just went blank on the, Oh, so this begs the question. Will you, do you think you'll ever pick up your own dog? Yes, I was, um, I was hoping that I would have one right now. Uh, long story short, I had, I was going to get a dog, uh, from one of my buddies, but, um, a draught, but I, I was contacted by, uh, I, I was a Marine. I was talking, I was contacted by a, a fellow Marine. He was not doing very well health wise. And he, he had a Brittany. I had a Brittany. Uh, the Brittany's name was named after a Marine that won the CMH, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Uh, the owner's name was Edgar. There was a lot of connections there. <laughs> and uh, so him and his family wanted it. They were, they were going to sell it or give yeah. it. They wanted a veteran to have it. Uh-huh. Um, so I was set. I, had, I went to see the dog uh, several times. Um, I had videos and photos of uh, the dog um, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a starter dog. Yeah. Um, this is the draw or this is the Brittany. It was a Brittany. Okay. And uh, then the, the gentleman uh, got sick or got, uh, became even more ill. Mm. And it's, I haven't heard back as far as what happened. Sure. Uh, so, and I don't, I, I, you know, I've sent emails out you know, my, my, my primary focus is to make sure that, uh, that he, he, sure. It's doing okay. And come to anything bad. Yeah. Know? So, uh, hopefully I hear back something. It's been several weeks. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. If, you know, if, um, um, if something does, um, or would have happened, uh, or I don't get contacted that I'm going to start looking again for, for a sure. dog. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to have my own, my own bird dog and go sure. out. By my, I mean, I go out by myself a lot anyway, but in my, I'm always with my buddies, my best friends, but sure. uh, uh, there's something missing and uh, I, I want to fill that void. Yeah, you know? definitely. Have you, have you kind of landed on, on the Brittany as your, is your dog you want to pick up? Or are you still looking at different breeds? Uh, just, I think it's going to go versatile. I went with the the Brittany when the opportunity arose, just because there were so many similarities with my childhood and sure. my profession, and there was just so I just felt like that was a sign from above saying, you know, this you need to get this dog. Yeah. Um, but if it, like I said, if it doesn't work out, if I don't hear nothing, uh, I think I'm going to go with a, a versatile dog, just because I I duck hunt. Um, mm and uh, just working and hunting behind uh, sure. dogs like Macy and Abby. Uh, I, I know what they can do and what they're capable of. Yeah. They have a, a really good demeanor. Um, so that's awesome. Well, I, I, I highly recommend the Brittany. So, <laughs> but I, but I am a little biased. <laughs> I, I, I said, uh, we, we had Brittany's when we were, uh, when I was growing up, that was the first dog. I've never asked my dad why he chose the Brittany. Uh, as his first bird dog, uh, we had a lab as well, but, uh, uh, I, I need to ask him that, uh, we, we had King, uh, yeah. uh, he was a good bird dog and, uh, I, I loved hunting behind yeah. Brittany. Hey, maybe, yeah. maybe, a, maybe a new story there. Why, why yeah. your uh, family chose, chose a Brittany. Yeah. Um, just a couple more things, Edgar, as we wrap up here, um, 
uh, this, I, I was going to ask you this in the beginning, actually, which I thought this was kind of cool. Can you talk a little bit about your, your recent decal project uh, that you put out? Uh, you kind of, you wrote a little piece about <laughs> the decal. This is kind of a fun one, but, um, I thought that was pretty cool. Can you, can you talk about that a little more? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's funny that you brought, uh, brought that up again, uh, going back, uh, I, I try to come up with some different topics to write about and, this was actually, it was a, you know, uh, it was a fun little thing to do. Uh, I had, I think like most of us, uh, uh, at least uh, bird hunters, hunters, fishermen, outdoorsmen, we compile a, uh, uh, a huge game into of upland decals that almost everyone and, and, uh, ends up get, being made and yeah. selling or, yeah. you know, companies having to, to promote their products and conservation groups put them out and i just you know, there's only so many i could put on the back of my window and uh, <laughs> so i had a i literally sat down like man i gotta do something with this because there's some cool artwork and and i want to display them and so my wife and i she kind of helped me and uh, she got on pinterest and she kind of came up with the idea and i just kind of put it down on paper and i actually yeah. put it together and and um that's pretty much it but and now it's in my garage and uh it actually looks really good and i got a lot of uh, positive feedback a lot of great <laughs> comments good. especially yeah. um fathers saying hey i'm going to do this with my kid you know yeah. with my boy and we're going to do this we've got a whole bunch of decals and we're going to you know it's 10 bucks maybe to put it together and we're going to put it in our garage or their or their man cave and when they get a new one, they slap it on and if it fills up, you flip it over on the other side or add another one. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's one of those, those kind of simple things, but I, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing that and just the creativity behind it. Cause a lot of people, yeah, I have, I mean, I have some of my, uh, my uh, deck drawer system on my truck, but I'm running out of room and I got yeah. a drawer full of, of a bunch here in my garage. So. Yeah. You know, like I said, it, it was a fun, I, I didn't know how, I didn't know how, uh, how serious I was going to be taken when I, <laughs> when I pitched this, but, uh, sporting classics, uh, uh, said, this is great. You know, this is a simple do it yourself, you know, winter or summer yeah. <laughs> uh, project. If you're, uh, stuck indoors or something you can do with your, you know, your kids. And, uh, uh but yeah, it, it, it turned out, uh, uh, fine. So yeah, that was, that was really fun more down the road. <laughs> well, that was really fun. Um, last question I'll ask you before we jump into the, the rapid fire section at the end. Um, the, for the new hunter out there for the new upland hunter, even waterfowl hunter, I don't care, uh, who's listening to this. Uh, maybe they're heading into their first season coming up here, uh, upland hunting. Maybe they, maybe they just picked up their first bird dog. What's, what's some advice you'd give that person out there listening? I would say first, the foremost thing, most important thing is uh, read as much as you can. Do a lot of uh, information gathering. Find a mentor if, if you um, so they can show you the ins and outs of, of hunting. Hmm. Uh, reading is fine, uh, and you can put a lot of that, you know, in your memory bank. But actually applying it when you got someone out there walking with you, saying this is the cover that quail like, and this is what a rooster is going to do. If you pressure it. Um, I think that's the most important thing. And I think that's comes from my dad um, when he was being um, instructed and taught about 
you know, upland bird hunting. And then he passed that down on to me, but I find someone uh, that has a little bit of experience and knowledge and then go with them and read as much as you can about whatever game you're pursuing. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. Um, do you, I'm going to take that a step deeper. I think that's really solid advice. Do you have any advice on, uh, I, I get questions all the time. People ask me, how, how do I find that mentor? How do I get to that step of that? Again, cause I think that mentor piece is so helpful reading, gathering that's, that's huge. But like you said, having someone, you know, out in the field with you, experiencing it is, is it kind of another level? Um, do you have any advice on just how, do, how do you get to that point in the process? Well, hopefully, you know, um, hopefully there's someone that you know of, whether it's a family member or a close friend that grew up hunting that you could tap into. Um, other than that, I would say, you know, join or, uh, get involved in a, in an outdoor organization, Fez forever, mm-hmm. quote forever. I mean, networking, yeah. um, you know, whether it's, you know, Rocky mountain elk foundation <laughs> or, or, um, Trouts and limit, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're into, uh, you know, those groups are going to be f- full of people that have a lot of knowledge, experience, and may probably access to um, to provide, you know, interested people. And then I would throw in uh, social media, even though I mean, a lot of people. I've met a lot of people uh, here locally in the Kansas City area that just reach out to me, said, "Hey, I've read one of your articles. I- I've never upland bird hunted." Uh, let's get together over lunch. And now we're like very close, like mm-hmm. very close friends. Aaron Woodward, who's a, a, a started writing. And then uh, JB, a retired Lieutenant Colonel, they were, they were brand new bird hunters and we met and now, you know, uh, uh, we talk every day and we, we hunt and they've, they've joined our group and uh, I've taken them out um, showing them, you know, this is how it's done. And, and you don't have to have, you know, um, the fancy bird vests and, you know, just minimal sure. equipment, you know, sure. uh, you know, there's always a progression and everything. Uh, but yeah, uh, social media is, uh, is a good outlet, uh, yeah. outlet to find someone nearby, or at least just, you know, even if they're across the country, just, yeah, hey, I've got a question. Um, and, and if you can meet, that's even better. Sure. That's, that's fantastic. I love that. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that. Um, all right. Rapid fire round. We'll close up with this couple, uh, questions for you. Just give me your off the cuff answer. Uh, some of these, I, I may ask you to explain a little bit further, but for most part, here we go. Uh, what gun are you carrying out into the field with you? 12 gauge Ruger red label. 12 gauge. Okay. Is that, is that your go-to or is, have you been shooting it for a long time? Uh, ever since my dad passed it down to me about seven years ago, it was off limits for 20 years. Cause he wouldn't let me touch it. Or <laughs> or shoot it. Okay. And, uh, he gave it to me seven years ago and that's what I shoot pretty okay. much for everything. Okay. Fantastic. One thing we didn't, didn't get into, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll do another podcast is, uh, again, your, uh, the gun shop, you, do you do some writing for the Olaf gun shop, right? Uh, no, I just, I work there one or two days a week. Okay. Okay. You, you, you yeah. post some, some pretty pictures of some, of some pretty shotguns. So. <laughs> yeah. If you're ever in the area, you got to stop by. Uh, okay. And, or if, if any of your listeners uh, have them reach out to me and uh, if I'm there, I'll give them a, a quick tour or, cool. but yeah, it's, it, it's a really cool shop. You will not find these kind of gun shops around the country. 
it, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're, it looks pretty darn, pretty darn cool. Yeah. <laughs> it looks, that looks awesome. Okay. Uh, fa- uh we, we've kind of touched on this, but, but if I had to pin you, pin you down and say favorite dog breed uh, that you hunted over, uh, what would you say? The draught. The draught. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I thought you were going to say Vishla. <laughs> it, it was a Vishla because of Staley. Okay. Um, of the personality because of, because of the, her. Uh, but, uh, just the, vers- the versatility of the drive, just uh, Dan's dogs. Uh, they're just, they're, they're amazing. They're just, man, they're just, they're good. They're good bird dogs. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Favorite bird to hunt. Just pick one. I would say this year it would have <laughs> to be uh, uh, the woodcock. And I've been really for two years. Yeah. Okay. Ever since I've gotten in, into them they're close by i just found out that they're in missouri the last oh really time. oh yeah okay yeah. I, th- I thought you were gonna go yeah midwest wisconsin minnesota or something nope okay and that's you know another thing you know maybe on another podcast but there's just so many birds out there that i think a lot of people miss within their own state hmm. scale quail is an excellent example uh but yeah i mean i, I want to go to up north to hunt woodcock but sure. there are a lot of woodcock here next door. really not in kansas but even next door in missouri that you know it just yeah. shows that you don't have to drive sure you know, across the country 10 hours yeah that that's that answer surprised me honestly that surprised me Very <laughs> fun bird to hunt. i i just shot a limit last week and i'm gonna hopefully get out again here pretty soon but yeah, I'd say woodcock right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, we'll chat about that later. Um, couple more here. Uh, oh, this this one's probably going to be hard for you. I'm, I'm guessing, but favorite article you have personally written, and why? Uh, I'll give you two. I uh, as far as like a how to, I think my favorite one was a pheasant call. Um, hmm stemming from my dad my dad bought a pheasant call i i, I wrote about it uh it's something that you don't see a whole lot no. uh, of people utilizing but i thought it was a fun article uh as far as uh, my favorite personal story that i've written i would probably say um the making of a bird hunter i wrote for uh, a european journal um pursuit international magazine and it pretty much tells a story of, of how my dad got involved in the upland bird hunting hmm. and how it uh, evolved into me getting hmm. uh, into it as well. And then growing up and having it such a major part of my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, last one, uh, beverage of choice after a hunt. This is not going <laughs> to be a, uh, uh, um, I, I don't drink, uh, so uh, this is going to be really. <laughs> that's stupid. okay. Uh, I, I drink water and milk. That's all I drink. So, uh, uh, you are you know, drinking milk after a hunt, or just generally? Uh, depends on uh, yeah, if I bring it, but yeah, uh, <laughs> water with a lemon in it. I mean, that's that's what I order everywhere I go, and I love it. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, 
Yeah, it's not exciting. Pretty hey, boring, I, you're, but, you're not uh, the, you're not the first guest to say water. I've had a couple a couple of the Arizona guys I've interviewed said said water. Yeah, uh, the, just, the the milk surprised me, but yeah. <laughs> you know you can throw in orange juice. Water, milk, and orange juice is what I drink. That's okay. pretty much all I drink. So. <laughs> a, hey, healthy for you. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Edgar. Um, <laughs> it, it, <is> it, <laughs> Uh, if people uh, have questions for you, want to follow along, uh, is Instagram the best way to connect with you? Uh, yeah. Um, Instagram at, uh, hunt underscore birds, B I R B I R D Z. Um, I have an email, uh, in my profile. Um, I, I get a lot of emails. Uh, I answer back pretty quickly if I'm not out hunting, but, uh, I, I really enjoy answering questions or helping anyone out. So, uh, they can direct message me, email me. I have a Facebook called uh, Hunt Birds as well. Um, and yeah, just uh, uh, reach out. And if there's a question or something that I can do for anyone, uh, uh, I'll try my best to to help them out or at least point them in the right direction of where they need to where where they need to go or who to talk to. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Edgar, thank you so much, sir. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you a little bit more and, and just chatting bird dogs. And um, yeah, now I got to go get my kids to school and <laughs> get, get on with our day. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me on as a, as a guest. And uh, I, I hate talking about myself because I just I don't think I have an interesting <laughs> uh, a story. But uh, if, if I can help someone uh, uh, in the long run, um, it, that's great. If someone yeah. gets a uh, couple things out of this uh, episode, that's that's great. And again, like I said, thank you for having me on on here. And uh, hopefully, we can connect out in the field and keep this line of communication open. And uh, like I said, if there's anything I can do in any way, just let me know. Shoot me a yeah. text, email, or give me a phone call. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, sir. I uh, yeah, I, I find your story uh, very interesting. So keep up, <laughs> keep up what you're doing, and I'd love to, uh, love to get out there with you. So thanks again, right. Edgar. Yep. Have a good day, and uh, like I said, uh, keep in touch, and let's try to get something going this season. Will do. You take care. All right. Take it easy. Bye bye. All right, guys, so that is a wrap of episode 31. Uh, Edgar, thank you once again, sir. I just really, really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for taking the time to uh, sit down with me, share your passion, share more about your writing. And uh, hey, I'm excited for your uh, bird dog. Sounds like it might be close. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, thanks once again, Trinity Bertans, Yukonuba Sporting Dog, Gunner Kennels, and Pointer Traditions for sponsoring this show. Uh, guys, don't forget, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Really would help the show get out there to more hunters and bird dog lovers just like you. Hey, guys, have fun, have say, uh, have fun and have a safe <laughs> Uh, time in the field this week if you're getting out there chasing birds uh, and just enjoy it enjoy your bird dog enjoy the time with your friends and your family and remember if you are not lucky enough to hunt with or own a Brittany, any bird dog is better than no bird dog go put some miles on those boots and have fun <laughs>